0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson.
1: Well, I can already see the effects of Phil's uh, involvement class this morning because uh, Jace is up there working, so I guess they've recruited somebody new and he's up there working, so it works really well. Uh, To see immediate effects of what you speak about is pretty impressive. All right, today we're talking about culture, and tonight we're going to spend some time thinking about creating Christ's culture in the church. We have today already discussed the idea of how Jesus lived in culture and how we can learn from him as being a church and culture. You might want to turn to Titus chapter 2. We're going to be in this text tonight. As we talk about creating this culture, we're going to work through chapter 2 briefly, summarily, giving some concepts and some practical advice about being and creating this culture using something we have at disposal. Some may not know. This is our son Austin preaching in Florence, Alabama, the Florence Boulevard Church. He has a, a perspective that would be good for this discussion because for 20, 21 years he was an active member of this church, grew up here. He spent 12, 13 years in other settings with other churches.
0: I never pulled out my membership. Yeah, you did. We, did you, we lose, kicked, you lose that. Okay. Yeah, you lost all it. Right.
1: That's fine. Yep. it? That's well, fine. I don't know because now Hannah's going. Well, wait a minute. Don't I get to still be? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Lauren is sitting there. We got all. Okay. You can be members. Uh, what is that? Members in absentia, probably. No idea. Um, but anyway. So, he, he has that, that idea, that ability to bring things both from the inside and the outside, and of course, the obvious uh, difference of the culture that he grew up under and the culture that I have, and it represents a lot of things that we are. So, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to begin by setting the stage with verse number one, because it's important for us to realize as we create a culture within the church, we're creating Christ's. Culture, And that is found as a foundational point in verse 1 where Paul said, speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine. Whenever we have a discussion about a culture that we have, and if we are trying to in some way change the culture, adapt in the culture, anything is up for grabs to be discussed except those things that change the doctrine. We're not going to change the doctrine of Christ. We cannot. That's the foundational point. That's what we're going to do. We're not changing the doctrine of Christ. And so whatever we talk about culturally, we need to talk about as it relates to what is proper and what is sound. And I guess sound is what they're fixing. Now, is that real or is that a Phil thing? Not. That's much better. Oh,
0: yeah, it is. Yo, hey, you get to speak every week here. I don't. Okay. That was a great intro. You didn't didn't understand? No, that was just a really good intro. I just didn't didn't want to start there necessarily. Okay. So what we try and do is (laughs) bridge the gap, kind of like mullets were cool way back when, and now they're cool again, and Dad is the bridge of that gap because he's bringing the mullets. (laughs) There. All right. I, I wanted to start there. I also wanted to say, uh, not being able to be here very often, I wanted to say a lot of things like, uh, you know, it's neat to see people grow up, it's neat to see people mature, it's hard to see some people who are growing and growing in love with other human beings. Um, You know, I found out that Hannah got married, how about that? I wasn't going to talk about Zach or Dustin, but hey, if you know, you got to say certain people, you got to talk about it, that's okay, Uh, really good girls. And but so, now
1: you know the other one's not married. I do.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I do. He doesn't know that I know that, and okay. nor does he know I know him. Great things. I love to see new faces, new folks. And uh, I hate that I can't see some faces yeah. and some folks. And that's just the part of...
1: But our, they see our faces because we have a, a lot of people in line with us. And we're glad yeah. for that. That's one of those things, I think, in culture that, Really has changed because we now have that available to us. So that's a that's a cultural thing as well, and that's a good thing. Hey, let's get into this, this yeah. idea. Titus we're two. gonna we're gonna talk about this this creating culture in this way. First of all, <clears throat> as you as we were looking at the text today and as we're working through some things, there are some important words that we pull out here that we want to to share. And so Paul begins in talking to Titus. He's talking to Titus about the churches in Crete that he's going to be mm-hmm. sent to especially to create to help them get establish elders mm-hmm. and such right there is a reality of the culture in which he is yeah. and the culture that God wants what do we see as far as the reality of the culture in these verses
0: well the reality that is quickly seen I think as you look back in this text it's the same one that we see in our day and age mm-hmm. as well and that simply is that people are different vastly different yep uh, paul to titus titus to the people that he's speaking with the the older men younger men and it's it's interesting almost comical how the text even goes in and say things like older men here's who you ought to be Mm -hmm. sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness, and there's this inference that the young men aren't yet. It's just a difference. Uh, Different things are at play at different stages of your life. Older men, younger men, older women, younger men. So the reality is that we are just all different. You know, I think about you and I. Uh, Someone said earlier this morning, you look just like him. It's like, thanks i guess (laughs) but no thanks yeah yeah but yeah some things in some ways while we might look like and we have distinct personality similarities we Mm -hmm. have distinct differences as well and a lot of that is the time in which we grew up (laughs) the places Mm -hmm. in which we grew up and what was going on around us when we grew up i think which of you chose your parents Which one of you chose when you were to be born? Which one of you chose the place and region that you were born and thus grew up in? So you're saying that none of us picked our culture? No. The culture happened to us. There you go. And we can't... You can't and, change that.
1: And so that is the reality that we live in. But yeah. now the thing that we're, that we're tasked with, of course, yes. is trying to figure out how do we take the culture that is who we are, right. and we now are going to create Christ's culture. Yes. And yes. I, we were talking today about three ideas mm-hmm. that he tells. Let's go with the three ideas. If we're going to create this culture within the reality that is difference, yeah. putting them together, what's number one? <clears throat>
0: So this whole idea of creating a culture, it won't happen accidentally. Right. Christ's culture won't happen accidentally. Right. Culture will happen, whether we want it to or not, it's always being created. But if we leave it up to itself, it will probably more closely relate to world culture than Christ's culture. So I think Christ's culture, as we try and create that within his body, it has to happen intentionally. And that's a big word.
1: Intentionally. He said, you older people, you younger people, here's what you do. This is not a a matter of, uh, if I want to, I will. It's it's an intentional thing that says, if we're going to create culture, if this church is going to have a culture, if we're going to have a culture of Christianity in the world, it will be intentional. Planning and decision-making, it's intentional.
0: If we are not intentional (laughs) about it, listen to this. Here is a a short article that a man wrote right after his wife passed away and on the heels of her dying he wrote about some observations that he sees in life and he, he saw in the world around him this was from years ago and I want you to see if you can relate to this because I think if we if we let the culture of the church be accidental and unintentional it might unintentionally become more like this here's what it says The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. Wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy less. Bigger houses, smaller families. More conveniences but less time. More degrees but less sense. More knowledge but less judgment. More experts, yet more problems. More medicine but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get too tired, read too little, watch too much TV, and we pray far too seldomly. We've multiplied our possessions, but we've reduced our values. We talk too much and love too seldom and hate far too often. We've learned how to living, how to make a living, but not how to live a life. We've even added years to life, but not necessarily life to those years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not necessarily inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more PDF and digital copies than ever, but we communicate face-to-face less and less. You see, these are the times of fast food and slow digestion, small character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes but more divorce, fancier houses but broken homes, Full and packed schedules, yet empty relationships. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands. Pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It's a time when there's much in the showroom window, but not much or anything at all in the stock room. A time when technology can bring you this letter, which I have. And you can either click and share or swipe to delete. See, this is the paradox of our time.
1: We're there. We live in that that world, but we have to, And so we have to be intentional in creating within that reality of diversion, yes. uh, diverseness. We have to create intentionally. Now, to do that, secondly, we've learned in the text that I have to be intentional, but I also have to respect the other culture. Absolutely.
0: Being intentional, especially in Titus two, and. This hits every one of us, because four groups are brought out in Titus 2, and and you you need to look at it and see it in your text of scripture, but you also need to acknowledge this and receive this (coughs) as an indirect, from scripture, command of God. Mm -hmm. Older men, and you raise your hand if you think you're an older man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Younger men, so that's all men. Older women, don't raise your hand. Younger women. Now, who's left out? Not a single person. And so that means each one must live with the intentionality of doing something that Titus had the responsibility of carrying out all the way back then. And what was it? Look at the text. Titus chapter 2. Older men, here's who you ought to be. And it gives descriptions. It would be a great practice for each man who thinks he's older. And that doesn't just necessarily mean age. I think this could be a spiritual maturation as well who are spiritually older, because there may be some men, I'll never forget the time I was at a certain congregation, and I was teaching a Tuesday morning Bible class, and we were teaching Leviticus and working through the tabernacle, the temple, all that stuff. And a, in his 70s-year-old man came up to me after class, and he said, Austin, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I don't know the books of the Bible, and it's time that I change. Can you work with me on this? I said, Absolutely. God's favorite step that any person can take is just the next one. On whatever level of maturation you're at, that next step is the most important one. So I think there's an element of spiritual maturity here. Mm -hmm. Older men, more spiritually seasoned men. Here's who you ought to be, sober-minded, which means don't fill your mind with too much of the other stuff. Stay clear, stay focused. In priority, being intentional about what goes into your head. I like to say garbage in, garbage out. So being sober-minded, dignified of upstanding self, self-controlled, sound in faith, sound in love, sound in steadfastness, these are qualities of, of older men. Now, what do you do? You go and teach the younger men how to do this too. So how many of you, and I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, not really, how many of you older gentlemen take out a younger man for breakfast once a month? who's not your relative. How many of you older gentlemen have taken as a, someone to mentor a younger man and say, hey, I'm teaching a Bible class. Can we meet weekly or once a month and study on how to prepare a lesson for teaching scripture? I'm a grandfather. I'm a father. Can I help you see what that looks like? How many people are being intentional with their time? That goes for men and also for women, I think. And that's the intentionality part that I mm-hmm. didn't get to, and I apologize for that. But yeah, you mentioned right. the word that, that was really good, which was respect.
1: Well, the thing is, you, the intentional part is there, but if I can't respect who you are, yeah. then I'm not gonna do very good. Yeah. And so my culture, in many ways, is <laughs> different from yours, but I have oh. to respect that culture. Yeah. I was. When, when he was preaching in killing Alabama outside of where he is now, a little country congregation, I was there one Sunday and I walked in and this lady stopped me as I was walking down the aisle. She said, would you do me a favor? I said, what do you want? Would you make your son start wearing a tie? And that, that said to me, okay, see? And I go, yeah, I wish he would too that's just my culture. It's not, it's not wrong or right. It's who I am. It's who he is. It's who we are. It's learning to respect because if I'm going to be intentional with you, then I have to respect who you are, where you are, older, respect younger, younger, respect older. But a third thing that we see in the text is I can respect you when I see your value. You have value no matter how old you are, what your gender, what culture you're in. You bring value to this created culture of the church. And if we can respect the value and understand that there is value, then we can do what God wants in creating this culture. So this is the reality, where we are and where he wants us to be.
0: Yeah, and the reality of... what our job is mm-hmm. as we are working intentionally, if you haven't read verses two to eight yet, those are the instructions on how older men ought to teach younger men, how older women ought to teach younger women, in order
1: to be and af- for the younger to be taught.
0: Oh, and, the, and the younger to receive teaching. Yeah, there you go. Yep. To be receptive right. of it. Right. These things don't happen without a foundational. And a, a core place of respect and value. Mm-hmm. Now, we all value different things. But we can all value each other. Even if what we value may differ, mm-hmm. d- may differ from person to person. Yep. I, I get this a lot from folks, from, from some uh, hardworking men who mean really well talking about the job of a preacher and say, man, I wish one day I could grow up and be a preacher so I only have to work one day a week, right? <laughs> and they said, shake my hand, shake my hand, son. They squeeze my hand, then they turn it. Like, where are those calluses? Where are they at? You haven't worked a day in your life. It's like, well, maybe I just use lotion. I don't know. They mean well. And that's the way of gigging each other sure. to, to bridge the gap. Yep but people come from a different place with a different set of preferences, core values maybe sometimes. And it's hard to look across the aisle or look across that gap and respect somebody who may look different, who may have different preferences, who may dress different, the music sounds different. It's hard to respect that person because you're thinking, oh. Mm. But here's I think an important lesson. We might have to lay down some of our personal preferences as we work to integrate Mm -hmm. intergenerationally sure from older to younger younger to older and that from each side of that gap from the older and from the younger we may have to come to the table and say i have this list of preferences these things i like but i'm willing to lay it down why Because I'm coming from the place of I respect you, I value you, but I respect and value what we're doing together, which is adorning the doctrine of Jesus Christ, our Lord. What we don't need to fall victim to, guys, is when our personal preferences become our golden calves, that one day God will melt down and make us drink in bitterness. So I think there's some element of as we respect other people, we also respect and value the mission that we are both working towards. Because
1: we're trying to respect and value the culture we create. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we're working. All right, now, so we've got the reality. Now let's look at verses um, 9 and 10, because he talks about bond servants. Mm -hmm. We don't relate to that physically, but spiritually, I think we can see the lesson of having established the reality Let's look at the responsibility we have as people trying to create culture within the concept of circle. It's
0: always awkward to read things in the scripture that culturally we don't understand. Right. Slaves. Verse 9. There's a phrase you told me that God doesn't approve of everything in the Bible. Mm-hmm because the Bible is written oftentimes in narrative form to tell a story. You have to talk about people making bad decisions or wrong decisions or doing evil things Mm -hmm. and all that has to be taken into account. So we aren't here to promote slavery, but talk about this reality. Mm -hmm. What did each one of those those people uh, that we also have in common, they had this in common, we have this in common. While they all may not have been slaves, literally with a master, they are all slaves and servants of Christ Jesus, their Lord. Every one of them had that in common. And what do we have in common? None of us are slaves. Hopefully. But what do we also have in common? That every single one of us are slaves. If you have made Christ Jesus your Lord. Mm-hmm. And if he is your Lord and your master, then you are submissive and, serve, and a servant to him. And so what does that mean? That we all stand on common ground despite our differences and our preferences and our differing values. And so I think as we create this church culture, which, by the way, it's not my culture or yours. It's not my preference or yours. It's Christ mm-hmm. and him crucified. Paul said, I came proclaiming to you not lofty words of wisdom and speech, but proclaiming what, church? Christ yep. and him crucified. Mm-hmm. That's the culture. So God already designed it, and now it's up to us to carry that out. And so we stand on common ground, and we can come together in that. Have
1: to. with, with that idea, let's highlight one thing in verses 9 and uh, 10. Mm. As, ma- as servants, we are obedient. Yeah, look at the words in verse 9. Watch how he's going to work through them. We're obedient. We're well-pleasing. We don't answer back. That is get angry and fire back at like somebody. argumentative in your yeah. core. But I want to f- concentrate on verse 10, the first one. I don't know what your versions say. Pilfering. We were talking about this today. This is a really interesting word. This idea of how is it that we as servants of Christ in a culture of the church could be guilty of pilfering from the master. How would oh, that man. happen?
0: So back in that context, let's think of... Um, farming or gathering wheat and separating the wheat and the chaff and the winnowing fork and you would beat it and the grains would fall and the stuff that would be the refuse or the the garbage stuff you would separate (laughs) and so you're gathering it up and putting it in a bowl to take it to to being ground on the stone and all those things Mm -hmm. you know pilfering might be in that context as you're gathering and putting into that Little basin, that bowl, whatever you're gathering, you keep some in your hand. Drop that right in the pocket. You're you're taking, you're holding some back for your own personal benefit or good. All right, that's that current, that Mm -hmm. context. Let's bring it to today. How can we pilfer as servants of Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. our Lord? Mm -hmm. Dad, would you say that we each one of the people that we're looking at, us included? all have particular gifts from God.
1: Oh, sure, that's what we are. We're all talented, God-given.
0: Everyone. Is it possible then that we use those gifts that were given from God, we use them for ourselves and our own benefit, whether in work, to make profit, or gain popularity, but refuse to use those gifts for the glory of God and
1: for the building up of his church? Holding it back from God to use for ourselves. That's how we would pilfer. Wow. You know when Phil was talking this morning, we were, we were talking about this involvement stuff. What he was saying was, if you have a talent, if you have an interest in the things that we do, why don't you take advantage of that and use it for the Lord too? Uh, this AV stuff he was talking about this morning, these are some hard working men and ladies up there. We need people who say, that's an interest of mine. I I get on social media all the time. I'm constantly working with internet stuff. This is what I like. Okay, take that talent, take that interest, and say, I'm going to volunteer up here. I'm going to help this church in those areas. And if I have that ability and that interest, and I don't use it for the Lord, I'm pilfering. That's it. I'm pilfering. Having said that, notice what he says then, so that we can adorn the doctrine of Christ. Why do we, isn't the doctrine already great? Why do we have to adorn it?
0: So fascinating about scripture. It is so deep and moving and powerful. Um, Cosmetology, what does that mean? You know what that means, right? Right. I actually know what it means, but thank you for those who are lipping to me what that meant. <laughs> I really appreciate you people. You're my kind of audience individual, even though God's our audience. Anyway, we're here together. Here we go. The, ba- the Greek word for adorn, and I don't know what your version says specifically, it, it's the Greek word for cosmetology. Mm-hmm. Cosmos. Cosme-o. Actually, it's yeah. cosmeo. It's cosme-o. Mm-hmm. It means I beautify. It means I put on mm-hmm. something that enhances beauty so that when others view and see me, I am more beautiful than what I was before. And so when the scripture say in verse 10, so that in everything they may, mm-hmm. he's talking about the younger men, he's talking about the younger women, he's talking about the older men, the older women, so that they all may put on the beautification of the doctrine of Christ Jesus. And what is beautiful outwardly? When a group of 300 plus people Mm -hmm. can lay aside differences and preferences to create a culture of Christ and him crucified that supersedes my preferences. It supersedes those differences because we are all together in the mission of Jesus. That is not normal. I call that a righteous rebellion Mm. against the world culture. And I wanna be a part of a righteous rebellion. I wanna beautify the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You beautify, you adorn the doctrine of Jesus. When you carry out the commands and the responsibilities
1: that we've discussed. Because often outside the context of the Lord's church, society is at war with each other. Mm -hmm. And
0: the cultures
1: are clashing, the cultures are sparking and causing problems and setting on fire. The church takes those cultures and we merge them together to pull the best out of both. And in doing so, we show the world what looks better than what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We are adorning the doctrine of Christ. So we have the reality. Yeah. We have the responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then he closes with the reason. What is the reason why we must, in fact, create Christ's culture in the church today?
0: So there was a... I know them as a grandmother and a grandfather. Not my grandmother and grandfather. I met a grandfather and a grandmother telling me a story of their family. (coughs) Their son went to the military, was shipped off and lived in the Philippines for a couple of years. Living in the Philippines, on base, on duty, did his work. Off base, off duty, people will go into the communities and the villages and explore and meet people and interact. He met a woman over in the Philippines and grew to like this woman. Well, they got together, wanted to get married, couldn't, didn't, did things they shouldn't and she ended up getting pregnant. Well, then he was called off base, ship back home, all the while riding mom and dad back home in the States about this woman he loves, about a relationship he desires, but how his job is pulling him out. So the story moves forward as they're telling it to me, and I'm hearing this, well, I'll get to that part. Grandmother and grandfather decide they're going to go all in for their son. So they get a flight after speaking with, uh, going through all the legalities of how do we go over there, get her and the baby, who is now half an American citizen, will have dual citizenship. How do we bring them here and help and keep them and, and raise that baby here and all those things? They fly over to the Philippines, leave the airport, jeep out into the village, hike out into that remote part of the Philippines where they are, and that mother, who their son loves, had the baby, he was a couple months old, and they said, we've done it, you're coming with us. So they hike down, jeep to the airport, fly over. This woman can't speak a word of English, but she's holding her two-month-old baby, going home with two strangers that will become family. They get back. Son, scarred. He changes. They get married, but the marriage wasn't great. He walks out on her, leaves her. So now she is a foreigner living with a family of which her husband has now left. The grandfather and grandmother say, our home is your home. That baby is our baby, just like it's yours. Would you please stay and live with us? So they raise her, and they raise him. And this morning, when I was gone, being here, that little boy, who is grown up and 34 years old, preached as a deacon of the church where I get to serve. And he said in his sermon this afternoon, I watched it, he said, I'm so grateful to God that my oldest daughter decided to obey the gospel and make Jesus her Lord. He said, I'm so grateful that two weeks ago, my 13 year old daughter decided to obey the gospel and make Jesus her Lord. And I know that as he stood before God's people, he knew that the reason he had an opportunity even to be where he is at is simply because of the gracious gift of strangers flying out of their world to find her and to rescue her and bring her in his family. The reason that we get the, the opportunity to create a Christ culture within Christ's body is simply because of the grace of God appearing in Jesus that brought salvation to all people. In essence, Him flying out of His world to come to ours to rescue us, to redeem us, and to bring us into His family. As the Scriptures say, God adding to His church. That's the only reason that we're given this chance to even have this conversation, to lay aside these things, merging together to create that Christ culture.
1: So when we understand the grace of God, we can't help but say, we're going to have Christ culture in this church. Amen. The Richmond Church has a culture. Florence Boulevard has a culture. We want to be people intentionally who plan to make Christ's culture, the culture of this church, built on the doctrine, the sound doctrine of Christ, because the reality is there. We have a responsibility to it, and the reason we cannot ignore. God saved each of us.
0: That's why that's Ephesians, how we want
1: to close. Go ahead. And that's why <laughs> Ephesians
0: 2.8 says, for by and you can quote it, I bet mm-hmm. Grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. In a season of gifting, I think we can acknowledge today Jesus as the greatest gift. Amen? Amen. In a season of giving, I think we can acknowledge Jesus as the greatest gift. Amen? Amen? That was a little better, church. No gift is yours until it is received and opened. God's free gift is the sacrifice of Jesus for the redemption of all mankind's sin forevermore. But to leave a gift wrapped and on the table is to leave a gift estranged from your life. But to receive the gift, to open it, is to, I think as the scriptures say, to become obedient and submissive, confessing Christ as Lord, believing in your heart, being immersed in the waters of baptism, calling on Jesus as your Lord and Savior so you can rise to walk in newness of life. And that's what I'm going to call on you to do tonight if you haven't already. May Jesus your Lord. If Lord, then come obey. But I'd also like to call out each person who's already made such a confession and and gone through such an act of obedience and baptism. And that might be this. If He is your Lord then He deserves your life, each and every moment of it. And I beg you to let Jesus, not just to be your Lord in this moment, but every moment of your life moving forward. And so we're gonna offer an invitation song, Nick, and uh, let's stand up and sing that song, and if we can help you with anything, come on down. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast, brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky